All right. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres, and I am your host. And this episode is titled The Bread and the Wine, Part Two, The New Covenant. And this is following Time, Part Two, Relationships, where I talked about security between creation and creator and that relationship between creation and creator and the different covenants the major covenants that are documented in genesis the two that are documented in genesis one's in noah and one's one's with noah and one's with abram who later becomes known as abraham and both of those covenants jesus made with himself for humanity. And if you go back and listen to it, you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying. It may not, may not make sense, but there's some, you know, as I would do I say right now, but uh, it's because I'm trying to, I don't want to recap all that. You should go back and listen to that one episode. It's really good. So at the end of that one, I ended with the new covenant, of course, because after Noah and Abram came, the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai and all the ancillary laws, including dietary, that followed. And one thing that's interesting with Noah is that in the scripture, it's in Genesis, there's a point, there's a point to say the green plant. And that's interesting to me because this is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. The other thing that was really interesting about Noah's to-do list that God gave him was that it wasn't anywhere near the law, the laws, the many laws that were given at Mount Sinai. They were to be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. That's what that's what Noah and his family were, were that's what they were told to do. That was their mission. Abraham, Abram. And both Noah and Abram were were righteous for believing. They didn't adhere to a code, a written prescribed code. They believed. And that was counted to them as righteousness. And then at Mount Sinai, there's a difference in the covenant. God asks the people of Israel, can you do this? If you'll do this, then I'll do that. Because covenants are about giving and taking. It's not all giving and it's not all taking. Unless it was the covenant with Noah and Abram. Those were humanity taking and not giving anything. Because there's nothing we can really give him. That'd be performance. And we can't form to the high enough standard. And then you have Jesus. And this is Sunday, April 9th, 2023. And it's Easter. It's Easter Sunday. And the covenant of the new covenant of Christ is totally different than the one at Mount Sinai. It is much closer to the one that Noah and Abram received for believing. Now I'm going to read something from Luke. This is the first time the word covenant is used in the gospel according to Luke. And it's 
it's being used by John the Baptist's dad, Zechariah. He was a priest. And if you're not familiar with this story, an angel, Gabriel, presented himself to Zechariah and said, your wife's going to have a son. He didn't believe it. He says, he, he kind of like Ab Abram in Genesis. He's like, how will I know? How will I know this will be? Now, there's a little bit of difference between a lot of time and a lot of scripture between a difference between Abram and Zechariah. And Zechariah was a priest. So really, Zechariah doubting is kind of funny. Where Abram didn't have any type of sanctuary to go to. It was just him believing alone. And uh, Gabriel says, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're not going to be able to speak. You're not going to be able to speak until your son's born. And when he's born, you're going to name him John. And uh, that's the story with Zechariah. So finally, they, they're, the family's trying to name the boy. And uh, Zechariah agrees. He says, yes, his name is John. He writes it down. And then his tongue is loose and he can speak. So here he is now speaking. <clears throat> and his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient times, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers. I find that interesting because this is where it says, and to remember his holy covenant. That's the first mention of covenant in the gospel according to Luke. To show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, would serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, also will be called the prophet of the Most High. He's talking about his son, John the Baptist. But you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. That's a capital sunrise, S-U-N-R-I-S-E. It's interesting, capitalized. To shine on those who sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And then Luke goes on to write, Now the child grew and was becoming strong in spirit, and he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Now I find that really interesting when he says, to show mercy to our fathers. That sounds like generational forgiveness. And to remember his holy covenant. His holy covenant. He didn't say our, because he's referring back to Abraham. He's not referring to Mount Sinai. He's referring to the prophets that from ancient times that prophesied about Christ. He's referring to them. But he's not referring to this Mount Sinai, the law given at Mount Sinai. He's referring to Abraham. 
And with Abraham and with Noah, there were no dietary restrictions. The green plant was given and there were no dietary restrictions for them. There were dietary restrictions and many, many, many other ancillary laws at Mount Sinai. All right. Now, I'm going to do something else to demonstrate the dietary restrictions that uh, that had to change because it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference in what you hear from the pulpit and from pastors and how they're preaching this stuff. All right, now this is Acts chapter 10, verse 9 through 23. And I'm going to give you a little bit of context. You'll get it as I read towards the end, but the uh, there's a there's a centurion who had a vision and sent some men to get Peter, and Peter is in Joppa, and this is post crucifixion, so they're already we're in the Book of Acts. So time wise, the the disciples have you know they're moving on. They're moving on and they're doing things and they're trying to sort out how much of the old covenant do they hold on to because they had a hard time understanding it while Jesus was living with them. They had a hard time metting that out. They wanted to take revenge on people. And Jesus said, no, that's not what this is about. I'm thinking of the Sumerians when they wanted the, they were going to cut through the Samaria and they didn't want the Jews to go through there. So they said, the John, the loving, the, the disciple who Jesus loved the most said, do you want us to call down fire and burn these people up for not letting us cut through? And he said, no, you don't know what spirit you were of. So we have Cornelius, a Gentile, has a vision send some men to go get Peter. So the day after this, on the next day, this is Acts chapter 10, verse 9 through 23. On the next day, as they were on their way, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. But he became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance and he saw the sky opened up in an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And on it were all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the sky. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy or unclean. Performance to the law. That's what he's talking about. I have not broken any of those rules. Not outwardly, at least. He may have thought about it. And if you think about it, that's the same thing as doing it to the standard of, of, of what the law is supposed to represent. So then he says, a voice came to Peter, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. This happened three times and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Now, while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision he had, he had seen might mean, 
behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius had asked directions to Simon's house, and they appeared at the gate. And calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was reflecting on the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? They said, hey, they're, they're on this thing. They don't, you know, that's kind of, it, it's a little strange. Say, hey, I had this vision. Go do, go do this. And they get some marching orders. They'd be wondering a little bit like, hmm, what's this about? You know, we're, who are we going to meet? What are we going to encounter? So this is what they decide to say when they first encounter Peter and his friends, right? Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you, to come to his house and hear a message from you. That's kind of like an official message, but he's using spirituality and visions. He's delivering a, spiritually vi a spiritual vision in a form of official correspondence. And he doesn't, he's trying to make it sound understandable to everybody that hears it. It's interesting. It's interesting. It's pretty cool. So he, so he, Peter, invited them in and gave them lodging. That's not something Israelites were supposed to do with Gentiles. So there's more going on here than just dietary restrictions. There are people, because at that time, people that were not Israelites were considered unholy. Jesus is changing the way Peter thinks about the new covenant. It is not Mount Sinai. It cannot come from Mount Sinai. A piece of that law cannot come into it. They are separate. Now, I'm going to read something else to you that further that further describes the difference of these covenants. All right? Now, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 18. Remember, we're talking about people and laws and freedoms from these things. So Paul writes, such is the confidence we have toward God through Christ. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some, letters of commendation to you or from you? You are our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by all people, revealing yourselves that you are a letter of Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone like the Ten Commandments, but on tablets of human hearts, believing. Not that we are adequate in ourselves so as to consider anything as having come from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. 
he's saying that if you try to adhere to your own performance to meet the standard of the covenant met or given at Mount Sinai, it's impossible and it leads to death. And that is designed to show you that you can't do it and you need love. You need to receive love. It's what we want to have and give. And he's saying it this way between maker and creation, between creator and creation. You can't earn it. You can't earn someone's love. Because then you can lose it if you earn it. You stop doing that thing or whatever. It, it can be lost. It's really counterintuitive to say, you can't earn my love. But that is what Jesus is saying. And he says, if you believe me, life. Life. All right. Now, this is interesting because he starts talking further more. He starts talking further about this. Not that we are adequate in ourselves so as to consider anything as having come from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death engraved in letters on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as it was, it was already falling away. How will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, condemnation, that's how he describes the Ten Commandments in Mount Sinai. For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness excel in glory. For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Therefore, having such a hope, we have great boldness in our speech, and we are not like Moses, and we are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not stare at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened, for until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, believing. But we all believing that we can't, understanding that we can't perform for it and believing that he loves us anyway. But we all with unveiled faces, looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
that's pretty cool. There is freedom from the foundation up. Earth ingredients. Marijuana is a part of creation. Marijuana is a part of creation. And it's freely given for us. Now I'm going to close this out. And this is the bread and the wine, part two, the new covenant. So I'm going to touch on the new covenant, the communion. Because it's something that too many pastors have made people afraid of. And that's not to be. Jesus is clear. Do this as often as you think of me. You don't need someone in authority to give it to you. Somebody wearing a uniform giving it to you. And you don't need a ritual to receive it. The doing is believing, remember? Now, a lot of people, when they go to church, they see the communion table set up, you can feel people pull back because too many pastors have said, examine yourself. You better make sure you're worthy because Paul writes about that in 1 Corinthians. But that's been really abused. That's been really abused. And I'm going to read to you exactly what it's supposed to be. This is 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 34. Now in giving this, oh, excuse me, now in giving this next generation, excuse me, let me get a sip of water before I get to start on this one. All right. <clears throat> now in giving this next instruction, I do not praise you because you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, when you come together as a church, because the church is the people, it's not a building. The church is people, human beings, not stone tablets on a wall. I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part I believe it, for there also have to be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you come together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For when you eat, each one takes his own supper first. And one goes hungry while another gets drunk. What? Exclamation point. Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God, the people of God, not the building, each other? Do you despise each other of God and shame those who have nothing? This is the part that he's talking about unworthily. He's starting to get there. He's not saying, examine yourself against the Ten Commandments. He's certainly not saying that. But that's the way too many pastors preach it. That's the way too many pastors preach it. If you use marijuana, your intent is key. 
but it's not going to, your intent is key. I'll leave it right there. Your intent is key. So, <clears throat> or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What am I to say to you? Shall I praise you? In this, I do not praise you, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as, if, as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a person must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat the bread and drink of the cup. For the one who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not properly recognize the body. Does not properly recognize the body. It wasn't about comparing yourself to performance of the Ten Commandments. It was recognizing what the bread is for. And it was also recognizing that you're doing this with people made in God's image. And if you got people starving while you're getting drunk and getting and eating plenty, that's not communion. That's division. That's what he's getting at. It's been twisted all the way around in these modern times. It's been twisted all the way around where people are now afraid of the new covenant to eat and drink the bread and the wine of the new covenant because they don't think they measure up to the standards of the 10 commandments of the old covenant. It's the old covenant. And there are too many pastors pushing the old covenant into the new. It doesn't fit. It cannot fit. It's impossible. All right. Then he says, for this reason, wait, okay. for one who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not properly recognize the body. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number are asleep. Now we're saying dead. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, that's interesting. So then, my brothers and sisters, this is where he's getting to. When you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, have him eat at home so that you, so that you do not come together for judgment. As to the remaining matters, I will give instructions to you when I come. That's what he says at the end of that verse. So that's interesting. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. And if you're hungry and you see there's other people that don't have food and you don't have enough food to give everybody, just wait till you get home to eat. 
That's what he's saying. Caring for other people. He's saying, hey, remember to care for other people when you come in here and have communion. He's not saying, go back and do a tally. And then if you find some things in your memory of how you, that you, you uh, need to go to confession for, well, then you better go tell the priest. And you can't have communion until you do all these things. That's called performance. That's called ritual. And that's called abuse. And that is not the new covenant. I'm pretty clear. The new covenant is about freedom. Freedom. In love. The freedom provided by love. All right. This is the bread and the wine part two. The new covenant. Easter Sunday, 2023. April 9th. Love you all.